Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. Yeah, big welcome to you, Gippsland. It's Rob Popplestone and the big man himself, Sam Watson. Sam the man. Talking sport, as we do every Saturday morning between 9 and 11 a.m., and as is normally the case, there's plenty to talk about on the back of a fairly busy weekend, whether it's Big Bash or whether it's the Australian Open. Uh, AFL football starting to bubble, just starting to bubble. A little way off, but it's starting to bubble, and we get excited about AFL football too, don't we? i tell you one thing, Sam. You know that I travel every day from Tarogan. Oh, well, not every day, every Saturday from Tarogan to Monthaggy. I thought I might have to do the freestyle between Mubu North and Inverloch because the rain that we had yesterday, I'm serious. <laughs> What's happening in Gippsland at the moment? Uh, Did you cop it here in Monthaggy? Well, I was in Melbourne yesterday. Oh, you would have copped it in Melbourne. Oh, we copped it big time, but um, I, I, heard, <laughs> I, I heard that Monthaggy did cop, cop quite a bit. Last night, I was in sale. And my wife rang me in Trog and said, Dale, the shed's, the shed's flooded. Now, I don't mind the shed flooding mm-hmm. every so often, but that's the fifth time now in six months. It's summer. Yeah, and it's Gippsland's a funny place. Oh, Victoria, well, it's a lot, hilarious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> As I was mopping out the shed last night at quarter past ten. <laughs> oh, just giggling to myself, saying, this is bloody funny place, this Terrell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, the things we have to put up with. Uh, well, that uh, And all my all my uh, study that I've done on Mooney Valley today, I have to, you know, reassess. Yeah, we were, uh, Sammy Highland was on the picks last night with yes. Damien Watson, which I was producing. I didn't have to do much because those boys were all over it. But Sammy would have spent... Fair while doing the form for Cranbourne, which oh. never actually, which never actually ran, and also our uh, our mate, our one of our regular guests, Jared Blair, had his wedding yesterday. Oh, he did too. Mm. I'm not going to call him this morning. Nah, though. nah. I'm sure they still would have had a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. And I think our uh, I think Bo Vernon, who'll be coming on the show again, I th- I'm pretty sure he was there. We'll have to ask him, but. We can ask him how it went. If he you was know, there. it's funny. You, you plan events, don't you, during this period? And and, and let, let's face it, uh, we're going to be talking cycling today, and we're going to be talking tennis and cricket, and we mm. plan all these events during the summer period with the expectation that uh, here we go, hey, get a get a guys, a couple of Sammy's fans walking <laughs> past, and I just wave, pretend they're mine. Uh, you, you plan all these events, given that it's summer, thinking we're going to get great weather. Yeah. At the moment. I truly isn't life hard to dance around at the moment. If it's not COVID and COVID restrictions and mask wearing and social distancing, it's rain and wind and storms and I, I truly, I can't keep up. It's been a testing week. It has been a testing I, week. I, I think I said last week, but if I didn't say it on this show, I did say it to someone. I said I was going to take 2022 with a new attitude because I've been fairly drained over the last 18 months like everyone else. You know, yep. you start to drag your feet, the shoulders are slumped, and mm-hmm. you're thinking, you know what? This is too hard. Mm. It's too hard to do the things we took for granted for all of our lives. But I thought, you know what? The start of 2022, I'm going to I'm going to jump around on the balls of my feet. I'm going to have a positive attitude. I don't care. Everything's going. I'm going to look at positive everything. I said that last Sunday, right? <laughs> it lasted five days. That's better than most people. <laughs> five days. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's that's not a bad amount of time. 
Hey, what did you think you watched the tennis last yeah, night? Medvedev against it, uh, Titsipas or Sitsipas? It might be a bit draining at, at the moment, Rob, for some people, but we've got plenty of sport oh, we have. to, yeah, to yeah. look at. We have. Um, we've had the Oz Open. Yeah. The Big Bash. Yep. Uh, AFLW yes. is on at the moment, so there's plenty happening. And yeah, did you catch the Big Bash final last night? Well, no, I didn't. Uh, on the back of me mopping out the shed, yeah. and this was part no. of my frustration. Mm. But it's uh, again, you know, there was controversy prior to last night's final. There was lots of controversy, and I think that got sorted out during the course of the week. And in actual fact, you know, uh, the decision by the uh, Sixers skipper to take out... Who did he Jordan take out? Silk. Jo- Jordan it was Silk. A, it was the Sixers. It was, I think it was Greg Shippard, the Sixers coach. That he's a pretty canny operator. Yeah. He, he had uh, that little trick up his sleeve. But for, for those who aren't aware, Jordan Silk was uh, came in at about number eight yep. for the Sixers. Uh, they needed quite a few runs off the last over. He can hit him big, but he had a sore hammy. Yes. He was, on, he was at the non-striker's end for the last ball. They needed two to win. Yes. And... They subbed him out, retired hurt, yep. for Jay Lenton, who was the assistant coach during the season. He was a yeah. COVID replacement player. And uh, they uh, that was for, to run the last two runs. In the end, it didn't matter because the fielder missed fielder and it went for four. But yeah. there was a bit of debate around that and the ethics of the game. Yeah. And I think it's within the rules, but was it within the spirit? And, you know, people started mm. to, you know, draw comparisons to that famous underarm ball, but at the end of the day, I think everyone involved, it sat okay with them. You know, there was probably a bit of a gritty taste in the mouth, but, uh, you know, even, I think it was Jason Gillespie yep. made the point that, hey, listen, no, no, I, I, I can wear that. And I thought that was a good thing for him to come out rather than cause angst about the result. And, and their skipper, Peter Siddle, Gipsland, yeah. Gippsland boy, yep. by the way, uh, he, he was... Um, briefed about it on the field and yeah. he said oh that's okay it's within the rules and he didn't kick up a stink about yeah. it he asked a question yep. didn't kick up a stink about it and and uh, everything was all good in the end it, yeah i think that play on yeah play on uh, it's it i think it, sometimes us the in the media get a little bit more excited about it than yeah. the people actually playing the game you know yep they really do so um, and then last night yeah yeah we had uh, the sixes after after that finish earned their way into the Final against the Scorchers, and they had the Scorchers in all sorts early. They were four for 25 Amazing. at one stage, and the Scorchers um, put on a massive partnership. I, I, the name escapes me. Here we go. The Scorchers put on a massive partnership with Ashton Turner and Laurie Evans, who's not one of the bigger names in the league. Laurie Evans was finished up on 76, not out. Amazing Turner effort. made 54, and they got to six for 171 at the end wow. of the game, and the Sixers the early wickets they couldn't overcome the early wickets um scorchers were bowling really well daniel hughes was their top scorer on 42 but in the end they were all out for 92 and the scorchers are the four-time bbl champions amazing first team to do so they've been the best for the all around you could they are clearly a cut above the rest you know and uh, the uh we made the point last week didn't we when we were talking to renegade's assistant coach Mm -hmm. Uh, whose sister you went out with, and that's a discussion for another day. But Simon Helmer. Yes, and he made the point that they've got a little bit of work to do, but they are definitely the benchmark, aren't they? Oh, definitely. This side is definitely the benchmark. So I know you love your cricket. What makes them so good? Is it a, Because I, you, you, all of a sudden, these no-name players, inverted mm. commas, pop their heads up when the pressure's on, and that's how reputations are made. Careers are formed. I wonder if it's the culture that they've been able to instill in Perth, like... Perth, you're a long way away sure. from the rest of the country, so there might be a bit of us against them mentality. 
Um, and the each player just knows their role really well. Nobody tries to be the hero um, at the Scorchers. They've just and, got and, a well-rounded side. And they've side. been in that position where they haven't been able to be at home, I'm guessing, at Western no, they, Australia. They played two games at home the, the whole season earlier earlier in the season. They were on the road for the rest. Yeah, and, and I reckon, you know, I felt, and I'm a Richmond supporter, I felt when Richmond were not playing in Victoria when we were right in the midst of COVID and they went through and won that premiership in mm. Brisbane, I felt that that time together really bonded them closer than they already were and, and possibly the same. You know, when you've got a, a good side, they sometimes become better under pressure and that's what good players do and good sides do. When the pressure comes on, they, the, the, what do they say? The, the, the cream rises to the top. That's it. And I think that's what's happened here too. So it's interesting to see how, you know, the, the, the dilemmas that we've all faced affect people in different ways. Yeah, I think it can either go... With teams like that, and you saw it with the AFL bubble, it can either go one way, you can, everybody can come closer together, or, or it can totally capitulate. Yeah, exactly which, right. which has happened to a couple of teams. And spe- uh, Well, on the cricket, there has been a lot of action in the Oz Open, but I think we should get to that a little bit later in the yeah. show, and let's continue on with the cricket theme and take a break and get our next guest on, Malcolm yeah, Cohen. Look forward to that. You're talk, uh, talking uh, with, well, you're actually listening to, we're talking at the moment, but Jeez, if you want to get involved, all you have to do is come down to Harvey Norman in Wonthaggy and scream right here. You'll, I mean, you'll be heard all throughout Gippsland on 91.3 Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Tracklop Trovella. You can also listen live in the SEN app and at sen.com.au. Harvey Norman, Wonthaggy, that's where we are, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect. The guys here are fantastic. The uh, range of goods are enormous and they're supporting sport. And I've always been a big one for supporting those businesses that support the sport you love. So make sure you do it. We'll be doing it with, well, in a certain sort of way, Malcolm Conn after the break here on SEN. Yeah, you are indeed. And that's where we're broadcasting live from right now. Harvey Norman in Wonthaggy, Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson talking sport as we do every Saturday morning between 9 and 11. And the focus is pretty much on those people who have achieved uh, great things and controversial things and better-than-average things. <laughs> and when we really get skinny, not much things. But they come from Gippsland, and that's important. They're just good blokes most of the time. Uh, Sam and I have been speaking, haven't we, over the last few weeks, that every time, uh, being a journalist in Adelaide, every time the, the uh, Test cricket came to Adelaide, there seemed to be some sort of controversy. The, the, and, and it could be any number of things. But I remember this particular thing when Shane Warne and Mark Waugh were brought in front of the media and had to answer some questions in regards to information they were giving. And it was, a, it was an interesting scenario, Sam, because this particular incident, I think they were giving away like, conditions of the pitch and weather conditions, and I wondered, gee, that's a grey area. You know, like if someone asked me, for instance, hey, listen... What's the pitch like? How's it playing? What's the weather like? You'd think, well, that's a reasonable question. But the expectations of test cricketers is so much more intense than obviously, uh, you know, your average sports person. But it was just another dilemma. Sometimes you want to go to the cricket and just watch the cricket. But more times than not in Adelaide, when the (laughs) cricket was on, there was a controversy that complemented it. And I had a bit to do with a guy called Mike Coward, who was a cricket writer, very articulate as well. And I, you know, I really got on well with Mike. And probably our next guest, Malcolm Conn, may have crossed paths with Mike Coward during his time. But Malcolm, uh, I reckon that time when 
Shane Warne and Mark War had to face the media. It was a fairly intense time for, for Australian cricket as you joined the program on a Saturday morning here in Gippsland. Well, yes, it certainly was. I mean, certainly at that time, unfortunately, um, and uh, for some time before that, we're talking sort of about that 98-99 uh, season. Uh, and uh, in the years leading up to that, there was a lot of controversy around the possibility of uh, match fixing, particularly on the subcontinent. Mm. Uh, and uh, accusations had been made uh, by... Uh, Warren and Tim May against Salam Malik after the 1994 tour of Pakistan. So uh, that was certainly floating around. Uh, and there'd been some suggestion that um, that uh, Mark had been involved with bookmakers. Um, well, we know he'd been approached. Uh, that was because uh, he'd uh, given evidence that uh, he'd been approached by bookmakers. But there was some suggestion that he might have been involved in some way. And, uh, I just remember uh, I was working for the Australian newspaper at the time and it was the launch of the 98-99 season in Brisbane and a whole lot of people, uh, cricketers and administrators and hangers-on all went to uh, Ian Hilly's nightclub in in Brisbane and I can remember in the wee small hours sort of standing uh, in the corner talking to someone and they just started talking about... Um, Mark Wall being approached by a bookmaker and being given uh, and giving information, I couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, it's pretty late. I better I better make sure I remember this. So I grabbed a <laughs> few coasters and a barman's pen and start writing notes on the back of the coasters and sticking them in the pocket in the shirt so that uh, I remember what actually happened. And it took some months uh, of uh, phone calls and ringing around and checking various things to find out that uh, to finally get Cricket Australia to fess up that not only had uh, Mark War but also Shane Warne had been secretly fined for giving information to bookmakers uh, and then put on the plane to go to the West Indies for the 1995 tour of the West Indies. So that had been four years earlier. So, um, yeah, that's uh, where all that came from. There was no evidence that uh, either of them were involved in match-fixing at all, but... Uh, it was certainly frowned upon that uh, illegal bookmakers are handing out money to uh, Australian players for information. Yeah, look, you won a Walkley Award in '99 for the coverage of that particular event, and deservingly so. Currently, chief cricket writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I think, well, I know I speak for myself here, Malcolm. I saw a documentary on Hansi Cronje just recently, really, and it was intriguing to see how you know these bookmakers and these people offering money can can infiltrate in, in in interesting ways in in it, it starts off quite small but it can quickly grow and quickly put pressure on I, I, and I think sometimes Australian fans of cricket don't realize the intensity of the support for cricket in those subcontinent uh, nations well that's right uh, it, it's remarkable actually uh, that if we think the ashes are big, uh, when India and Pakistan are allowed to play each other, which unfortunately politically they're not, that makes the that makes the um, uh, ashes look like a, a game of uh, tiddlywinks because it's just <laughs> such so intense with such yeah. uh, massive nations and their and their first and only real sport these days is cricket. So, and there is still a lot of money, a lot of illegal betting uh, going on in the subcontinent, uh, particularly uh, out of India. So people have to be um, very careful, the anti-corruption units. I was uh, working for Cricket Australia and Cricket New South Wales for six or seven years, so I was sort of made aware of certain things and even been involved in briefings where 
photos of certain people would be put up at team meetings where players would be warned to keep an eye out for these particular people um, who are uh, involved in dodgy activities. So, And there's something called pitch sighting, which we hear a little bit about, but it goes on quite a bit, where we'll get people on mobile phones or on laptops at games um, either calling back or writing back to uh, their base uh, on the subcontinent uh, because uh, the delay in television means that they get the information back more quickly. So you can be a ball or two behind. So that information is gold in terms of uh, Amazing. what's happening in a game. I, I was uh, told by an anti-corruption officer that uh, they'd, ticked, they'd kicked out uh, 40 pitch siders in one season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's unbelievable. It is Rob. incredible, we, yeah. We could probably talk to Malcolm about match fixing and anti-corruption for an hour and a half yeah for an hour and a half but (laughs) we've only got uh 10 to 15 minutes with malcolm who's as you said now the chief cricket writer at the sydney morning herald malcolm before all of uh winning walkley's and becoming the chief cricket writer at many of the uh country's biggest papers you you grew up in one thag and was was journalism something you were always interested in as a youngster well yeah i um i moved the family moved from Northern Victoria to Wonthaggi uh, when I started high school. So I did all my high schooling at Wonthaggi and, uh, and really enjoyed English. Until when the chance of work experience came around uh, in Form 5 in those days, which is Year 11 in modern parlance, uh, I just uh, wrote down on my form that I'd, uh, I'd like to sort of uh, do work experience at the local newspaper, which I did, uh, the South Gippsland Sentinel Times. And... Um, and thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, because I was uh, playing footy very badly in the, in the local Bass Valley <laughs> competition, as it was then, um, I was able to write about footy games. And, uh, so that, and so the following year, year 12, I was offered a, uh, a job by the, the then editor, Brian Blake, um, uh, on to work out of Wonthaggi on the, uh, the South Gippsland Sentinel Times. And so I sort of worked part-time, did my HSC part-time, and... Uh, the way I went at my HSC, I'm glad I had a job at the end of it. So I was, uh, I was, uh, and I worked there for four or five years and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I did everything from courts and councils to uh, chasing fire engines, and uh, and uh, got the chance to write a lot of sport that I was involved in. I was particularly involved in the cricket there, and, and thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, and um, uh, got the opportunity then at that stage the uh, the South Gippsland Sentinel Times was half owned by the Age and the Age were looking for a VFL rider so uh, I then joined the Age as a VFL rider um, and uh, was also keen to do cricket so I was only at the Age 12 months and then I went to the Australian and as both a, an AFL VFL as it was then and and cricket rider and spent a long time with the Australian. Uh, Riding cricket in AFL, I had a great opportunity. Um, got to travel a lot of different places. Although my uh, my wife says, "Why didn't you cover rugby? It only goes for an hour and a half, and they go and play <laughs> tour Europe." So. <laughs> and and um, you did you did join Cricket Australia and Cricket New South Wales as a communication manager in 2014, I believe. What what made you make that move, and and how do you look back on your uh, seven years in the role? Well, I. Um, I'd ha- it was, I had a sort of a second family, a young... Uh, so when I was... Um, I got married uh, quite young and uh, I was chief cricket writer for a few years uh, and had a young family back in the sort of the, the mid-90s. So I stepped away for a couple of years with a young family and then came back and second time round again I had a, a young boy and it's just too hard with the, 
doing so much travelling um, when you've got a young family. So I thought that I'd, I'd look for something a bit more stable and I, uh, or, or <laughs> not so much travelling. And uh, so I got a job as sort of a, the head of communications at Cricket New South Wales in a joint role working with Cricket Australia on their communications team. So I got to work closely with both Cricket New South Wales and Cricket Australia and also... Uh, help out as, uh, as the team media manager from time to time, and turn, and including spending some time at the 2019 World Cup and the 2019 Ashes in that team media manager role where you're, uh, you're travelling on the team bus and, uh, and uh, dealing with players all the time. And it's all, it's all very interesting to be behind the scenes, very intense, as you'd imagine, at a, uh, at a high-profile international sport. So thoroughly enjoyed that. There's a lot of good people working cricket. Uh, a lot of people working cricket because they have a great passion for it and they love the game. Uh, it's not the best. A lot of people find it's not the best paid um, uh, part of the workforce to work in the work in cricket, but you do get to, do to follow your passion. And I guess I've had that opportunity all my life, both uh, working for newspapers and also working in cricket. So, and I'm, uh, I'm blessed, I suppose, in that regard. Malcolm, it's interesting, isn't it? One uh, one role as a journalist, uh, trying to scratch the surface of a uh, of a sport, and then a communications manager when you're confronted with journalists, and uh, you've got a role to play to protect the sport you love. And sometimes there can be conflict between the two, I guess. But they're different sides. Of, they can be different sides of a co- the same coin. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, actually. Um, yeah, I guess it was uh, poacher turned game people, wasn't it, uh, in that yeah. regard? But uh, certainly I found the best part of the job was my, the relationships I've built up with my journalistic colleagues over the years. I mean, I was always yeah. straight with them. Um, yeah. And uh, if something happened, if something went wrong, or, or you just had to put your hand up and admit it and get on with it. Um, yeah. the, the worst part about uh, anything going wrong is not what goes wrong. It's a cover-up afterwards if you don't uh, bring it out. Like the 100%. The Mark Wars, Shane Warne, Bookie scandal, given that they were fined for giving information, isn't the worst crime in the world, but uh, Cricket Australia covered it up for four years and, uh, and it was a cover-up that, uh, that created the bigger problem. And uh, so I, was always, I always made sure that uh, I was straight. Um, I tried to give the same advice to uh, people working in the industry and also uh, just tried to help the, uh, the media as much as possible because uh, it's a pretty simple uh, uh, rule of thumb when you're working in that position. You can either tell your own story or the media can tell it for you, so what would you rather do? So mm-hmm. <laughs> you're better off in that yeah. case, um, even if it's a difficult story, you're better off uh, telling it yourself. Now, Malcolm, there are so many uh, cricket stories that we could talk to you about that you're an expert on uh, that, that just occurred this past summer, really. Um, but the, one of the biggest ones that's still on everyone's lips is Justin Langer and his future. Just before we let you go, can you give us an update on where you think Justin Langer's future lies and, and what, what do you think the future holds for the rest of the Australian cricket team if, if he does, if he does uh, part ways with them? Well, look, Justin's a, um, an icon of the game. He's been one of Australia's greatest players, had the greatest opening, most successful opening partnership in Australian history with Matthew Hayden and second only to Greenwich and Haynes, the, the great West Indian pair. So Justin has an indelible place in Australian history. And uh, when he came in after Sandpaper Gate, which is sort of one of the low points in Australian cricket, uh, he did a great job as a statesman, helping to rebuild uh, trust in the game. But um, Justin is a is a very intense person. Um, and I, during those 2009 stints at the World Cup and the Ashes, I actually travelled with him and worked with him. And um, 
is very intense. Uh, it can be a micromanager and it can make things very difficult. And it's not like okay. uh, if you've got an intense footy coach where um, the players sort of go home after training uh, or go home after a game. You're with each other all the time and, and uh, the intensity just wore people down. So uh, eventually there was a player mutiny in August uh, uh, led by the captains and uh, he was basically sort of put into a... Uh, a backroom role and the assistant coaches and senior players uh, basically ran the show and it was, a, it was a lot more comfortable and a lot less stressful. So um, I think if uh, we take the tradition of Australian cricket or world cricket, uh, that the captain's in charge, then the leaders certainly made their point in August and I think that uh, there should be a change, but it'll be interesting to see where that lands. Yeah, exactly right, Malcolm. Malcolm Conn, the Chief Cricket Writer at the Sydney Morning Head, our special guest here on Saturdays in Gippsland. Hey, Malcolm, thanks for your time this morning. Good luck for 2022. Hope it pans out well for you. Thanks, guys. Good on you. Malcolm Conn, uh, one of the greats, really, as far as journalism is concerned, and especially with his focus on cricket. His, uh, his career's been outstanding. and You sort of get the feeling there's, there's a lot more to come, and his insight then into Justin Lang is a... And he's an example of that. Uh, we'll be talking football, AFL football. A player that spent a lot of time in this area, who spent some time playing AFL, is back in this area again and playing football. We'll be catching up with that particular person after this break. Uh, you certainly are with Rob Popplestone and Sam the Man Watson, whose lovely mum, Jude, just pulled up and dropped off a bottle of water for her dear little son. Isn't that beautiful when you can be working? And did you send your mum a message? Yeah. So during this show already, what time is it? 9.35-ish? Yep. We started at 9 o'clock. We haven't been on air for three quarters of an hour and already you've sent Mum a message. Mum, help. I need some water. It's heating up. And off she came and she offered me a bottle of water too, your lovely Mum, which is nice. You okay for something to eat? You don't need a coffee or mm, a little cake? Could go a, a, a pasty or something. <laughs> a pasty, exactly right. No, oh, I, what, dear. We're, we're going to get off the topic of yeah, my mum dropping off water for me because I <laughs> did notice a bit of a tickle in my throat. Uh, and look at the Oz Open results from last night very quickly. Rafael Nadal. Oh, he's great. through to, I'm not sure how many Grand Slam finals now. It'd be heaps. He's going for his 21st Grand Slam win. I think he said last night in the post-match interview that he won the title in 2009. Was yep. the last time? Did yep. he say that? Yep. Wow. That was the last time he won, beating Roger. Uh, he knocked off Italian Matteo Berrettini. Good win, six, too. 6-3, three, 6-2, six, 3-6, three, six, six, three. He uh, well, dropped the third set, but he was in control for most of that match. And later on in the evening, Daniil Medvedev, the number two seed, is the number one ranked player in yes. this tournament because, as we know, Novak isn't there. He knocked off Stefanos Tsitsipas, the Greek god, as some like to yeah, call him. Yeah. Uh, tiebreaker in the first set. Tsitsipas took the second set off him, but he won the next two sets, 6-4, 6-1. So he will face Rafael Nadal in the final. What do you think? What do you think? I think Daniil will win, but I really want Rafa to win. Yeah, look, I, I think I'm the same. You know, Rafa's sort of a bit of a crowd favourite. Medvedev sort of hasn't got that charisma that mm. Rafael's developed over a period of time and probably got the home crowd off-site with, a little bit. Yeah, with his description of some of the crowd <laughs> yeah. after defeating Kyrgios. Yeah. Mind you, I don't know that he was wrong. Pretty on the money. I, I just don't know that... Uh, Medvedev is one of those players. He's a little bit like Jokovic. Very solid. Unbelievably solid. So consistent. But hasn't got that flair that makes you want to watch him. Uh-huh. He was just so good, though. He just doesn't seem to have too many weaknesses. I think Raphael will keep him in the point a lot longer. Uh, I think the left-handed... Uh, with with both of them standing so much behind the baseline, I reckon it really 
uh, during service. I reckon it really, uh, it really sets us up for a, one of the great finals. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, it will be very good to watch, much like our next guest, who's a great to watch on the footy field. Is he all right, is he? Oh, very good to watch, and I've, I've copped it firsthand. I've uh, had the best seat in the house to watch him play sometimes, and that is Cam Pedersen, and we will get, ba- we will get to Cam Pedersen after this. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you. Woo. Now, Rob, we've heard that song quite a bit over the past few months. Too bloody much as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. We are playing that because uh, not only is it our upcoming guests former AFL club it's also the theme of his new club oh well relatively new the Phillip Island Football Netball Club and that is Cam Pedersen Cam welcome to the show thanks for having me uh, now Cam we, we uh, before we get into your AFL career and um, what you've been up to at Phillip Island you had a pretty unconventional journey to the AFL going through uh, the VFL and and various teams there what, were you always confident that, that you'd eventually make it to the big league uh, no, not really. I um, started late um, and then kind of forged a... You had to get invited to try out for Box Hill and I kind of used Heath Hocking's um, letter that he got given because he got drafted to Essendon straight away. I used his letter that he got given to go and try out to, uh, yeah, to try out. And then, yeah, played a lot of reserves the first two years because obviously um, Ruffy and Buddy got drafted the same kind of time. So obviously there was no spots because they played a little bit of VFL and... Then in my third year, just yeah, something clicked, and the next yeah three seasons played every game. Now, I was reading that it was predicted by a few journalists that you were going to end up at the Gold Coast in in the rookie draft. Uh, were you were you confident that that you'd be going there? And, and when you didn't, what what were you what was going through your mind? Uh, yeah, I was pretty confident. Cause I went up, I trained there for two weeks, and um, Bluey said that yeah they're going to take me. And then on draft morning they rang me and said, uh, unfortunately, they're, they're going to take Nathan Ablett instead. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that was because, you know, Gary was there or whatever, but, yeah, just wasn't wasn't to be. And then, yeah, I was lucky enough to get picked up uh, in the rookie draft, pick 17 at, um, yeah, North Melbourne. And how do, how do you look back on your time, on your couple of years at, at North Melbourne before you went to the Ds, mate? Uh, oh, North Melbourne was great. Obviously, they gave me, yeah, my first um, start and uh, debuted round one of the first year I was there and um, the club was yeah fantastic they had a lot of older guys there completely different to Melbourne like they had like Boomer and Drew and Wellesley and they all had kids and Scott McMahon and when I got to Melbourne it was everyone was kind of young and it was pretty much just Neville and myself were the only two that had pretty much had kids that were at the club it's, it's interesting isn't it because you would have been a part of that foundation that turned itself into a premiership a handful of years later did, did you did you see those young kids cam at the time as as you know, superstars inverted commas in the making. Um, probably always knew that uh, yeah that Petraka was going to be here. He was pretty special. Just needed to get yeah. a bit fitter. Um, and yeah, Clary um, he worked really closely with uh, Brennan McCartney, and uh, he brought him along heaps. And that's why he's such a stoppage beast. And Bailey Fritz was playing at Casey uh, while we were there, and um, he started playing well. So it was good to see his improvement. And you know, obviously I got I moved. To Melbourne when Jack Viney got drafted and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, as I say, you got to be, you know, in that window of 22 to 27 to kind of, you know, win a premiership. Otherwise, you're probably a bit young. Yeah. Now, now in, in 2017, Gorney, the All-Australian Ruckman at the time, did a, did a hammy and, and allowed you to probably have your 
career best year. Do you do you look back in, in on 2017 as your best year in the AFL, and why do you think you were able to play to such a high standard? Um, yeah, definitely, probably yeah, the best year. Um, it was probably because I wasn't I was only ex- expected to compete, so it was much easier. Um, I wasn't expected to win the hitouts, but I was you know I was expected to run off and help the fence and try and get forward on people. So um, yeah, I guess it was just. It was simplified. It was just make sure that you know the other ruckmen, even though they're a lot bigger, make sure they're not getting clean, easy hits, and we're getting beaten out of the uh, out of the middle too hard. And the boys around me did a really good job of locking down their opponents. So we turned everything into a scrap, which is, I guess, you know, Melbourne now are really good at, at offense. Yes, but that all comes off their contest. So um, yeah, it was the building blocks put in by Ruzi, and then obviously Goody to yeah get them where they are now. And, and you played four games the year after in 2018 when the D's made the prelim final and you decided to walk away from professional football at the end of that year. What, how tough was that decision? And, and looking back, do you think it was the right move? Um, yeah, it was a little bit hard. I just finished my Masters of Education, so I was, guess I was ready to transition into, into teaching and um, had the choice, obviously, had a lot of, spoke to a lot of clubs and it was you know the VFL option or go and play in South Australia or, and then just I wanted to move down to Phillip Island and um, VFL is a great level to play at but it's not really I've got four kids so it's not really a family orientated um, clubs I guess at VFL because there's so many people come in and out and you play with so many different people so just decided yeah Phillip Island um, uh, which just would be a great place to play at because I was teaching down there and would be yeah really entrenched in the community down there Good on you, mate. It's, it's, it's great. No, you, it's always interesting to see a, an AFL player come back to play country football. I reckon one or two things happen. They either think it's just going to happen and it doesn't, um, or they actually just dominate. And your domination of the league in 2019, especially Premiership year, league best and fairest, you would have been pretty happy coming off AFL and straight into in a great community club, but also performing well. I think it makes the transition so much easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bo Vernon's a yeah, great. Um, he's a great coach, and uh, we've got really good support staff around him with like Scott Huth, who's the head of football. And they just said that you know we don't ex- expect you to go out and you know kick ten goals and have thirty possessions. They said you just play your normal game and try to make other people around you better, um, which I think we've yeah done really well because we've, we've lost one game in three and a half years by four points I think we did so um, yeah so it's yeah great bunch of boys and uh, anything I can do to help anyone else get better is yeah pretty much what I'm aiming to do I said to Sam during the break before we caught up Cam how's he play he said mate he's, he's an outstanding player he said he was either number 19 or number 29 what number are you um, 19 19 he said uh, and usually when they know an opposition player's number it's because they're chasing the jumper a fair bit and he said well I never ever got close to the jumper but half the time you were sitting on his shoulders taking screamers so Sam's got a healthy respect Cam, for you Cam wouldn't remember playing against me because he's done it to pretty much every other <laughs> defender or ruckman in the West Gippsland football netball competition but we can we can speak about that when we get you back on the show a little bit closer to the West Gippie season, Cam. But I just want to ask you before we let you go, mate, how, did uh, you spend a fair bit of time, I, I presume Melbourne's still very close to your heart, and did you celebrate the Premiership much and have you been in contact with a few of your former teammates that are now Premiership players? Um, yeah, so I was, I'm actually in Darwin at the moment, but I was in Darwin when the uh, grand final was on, so 
um, yeah, it was fantastic to watch all the you know the hard work and obviously uh, it was great for the boys, but obviously for the supporters. Obviously, when I got there, I think we won two games my first year, four in the second, eight in the third. I think we were going to make finals in the fourth year, but we lost to Collingwood in the last round. And then obviously the fifth and sixth we were obviously getting you know pretty regular and more competitive. Um, so yeah, I, I have spoke to a few of the boys and a few texts like I'm up here. Um, Neville Jett is playing up here as well, so we flew up together last night. So it was great to talk to him about his perspective of obviously being there for 13 years but not actually getting to play, like, and obviously Nathan Jones as well. So, um, yeah, it's been good to talk to all them and Gawney and that. So, yeah. Uh, good on you, mate. Hey, listen, thanks for your time this morning, Ken. Uh, good luck for this season. I'm sure we'll cross paths during 2022 and see what the uh, the boys on the island are up to. But enjoy your time up in Darwin. Maybe that's a conversation between us for another time. Uh, thanks yes, for your time. Definitely. Good Go on you, Ken Pedersen. Good on you, mate. Ken Pedersen there, one of the great players now in this area, no question about that. And we'll be speaking to the coach of Cam after the break, which is coming up shortly. We'll take a quick one now and be talking more sport on Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN 91.3 Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Latro Valley. Yeah, you are indeed, Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson. Right here at Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, great store, great people, a great range of goods. Uh, great place to come if you're looking for a fridge, a TV, a washing machine, a hairdryer. Electric toothbrush. Electric toothbrush. That's <laughs> what I bought from here. Did you really? Mm, and a TV. It's interesting. An mm. electric toothbrush and a TV. Mm. Never know. You know what? You really intrigue me, Sam Watson. Your mum brings down water for you. You bought yeah. an electric toothbrush and a TV from Harvey Norman Monthaggy. Hey, after the break, we're going to be talking more sport. A great big sporting event happening in this area. I'll tell you more about that after the news. But I thought we might just touch on, touch on Ash Barty, who obviously is playing in the final tonight. Uh, her opportunity to be the first person since, uh, was it Chris Lloyd? O'Neill. Chris O'Neill, that's right. That would have been, a wow, 1980-ish I think 1978. Is that right? I yeah. To, have to double check. Quite that. incredible. She's been in sensational form. Look, I, I'm starting to warm to Ash Barty a little bit. I'm starting to warm to her a little bit. I, <laughs> she got me offside a couple of years ago when she called for Margaret Court's name to be taken oh, right. from the arena because of her views on same sex marriage. And I thought, Ash, don't get involved in that sort of stuff. Just do what you do best, and that's play tennis and, and a little bit of cricket yep. but just do that I just she lost me a little bit because Margaret Court is obviously one of the greats and mm-hmm. okay Margaret's got her opinions on same-sex marriage and that's away from tennis because of her role as in the uh, in the church but when Ash Barty got involved in that um, Sam's just saying hello to some of his fans in an unusual way yeah. um, when Sam uh, when when Ash Barty got involved in that I was a bit disappointed her form's been absolutely outstanding she's uh, she's been paying for one hour parking at Rod Laver Arena yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all her match. That's, that's all the very time good. her matches are going for. I've stolen that funny. from someone, by yeah. the way. But, um, yeah, we, we will be speaking to Karen Jones, the uh, yeah. event director yep. of the Tour of Gippsland after this, and we're very much looking forward to it. Yeah, we're talking sport as we do every Saturday morning. We're outside Harvey Norman in Wonthaggy. Great guys and a great business that support the sport that you love. There's no question about that. So when you get the opportunity, make sure you support the guys at Harvey Norman Wonthaggy. It's Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson alongside myself talking sport. And we have a focus on sporting events and sporting people uh, from this area and Latrobe Valley. And we're just having a chat during the break, weren't we, Sam, uh, as we introduced Karen Jones about 
my time in South Australia because Mike Turner, who I had a fair bit to do with, gave me a bit of an insight into what was required to put together the Tour Down Under, and I was absolutely fascinated with the enormous amount of work over years to get that event up and going. And I'm sure Karen Jones, as uh, the event director uh, of the Mitchelton Tour of Gippsland, would be confronted with the same things. Morning, Karen. It's a uh, it's Good an event morning. that's starting to cl- yeah, it's an event that's closing in on us quickly. But uh, give us an insight into the to the sort of boxes that need to be ticked to put to, uh, together an enormous event like this. Yes, you're right, and thanks for having me, guys. Um, it is an enormous event, and uh, Mike knows full well um, how that all happens. And that event is actually going on as we speak. And we have one of our uh, riders and my son Brent and Jones racing there. And their team won yesterday, so we're going to be excited to welcome them to Gippsland. Um, Yeah, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that uh, people are very unaware of, and that's all the stakeholder, you know, management with police and roads and councils and, you know, resident notifications and, um, you know, medical requirements and uh, so much more. So... It's, uh, it's a very big operation and uh, we have about 50 people that bring it all together on the weekend and um, behind the scenes about 12 months leading up to doing all of this operational planning. It's incredible because, you know, most sporting events uh, happen at an oval, on a court, uh, on a pitch, at a particular area. But when you're running a cycling event like this, so many, as you said, so many different people are involved to make it work, whether it's residents or road closures. or And then you've got to deal with the actual cyclists themselves. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's like putting together a big jigsaw puzzle. It certainly is. And, uh, and you're right in saying that, you know, being at a venue... Um, is so much um, so much easier and sometimes I wonder why I do what I do but um, the thrill of seeing uh, the event such a success during it and the opportunities we provide our athletes um, is um, is what's so rewarding so yeah. you know we we thank all the local community for getting behind us and um, you know the police that come in to do this operation with their solos and you see them on the roads pulling over cars while the cyclists go through you know we've got about 30 police that are involved um, with this tour of Gippsland and it's um, yeah, it's a huge operation when we get started. Alright, tell us about the tour of Gippsland. When does it start? Where do they go? Uh, how many cyclists involved? So it starts um, Sunday the 13th of February and yep. uh, continues on to Tuesday the 15th. We start at the Woolamai race course actually, so that'll okay. be an exciting location. We do um, a circuit around that Woolamai Racecourse area, so people can come and watch because they'll be they'll be um, racing around the lap, so they'll see them quite regularly. Um, then we move to Inverloch on the Monday, so we start and finish in Inverloch Central, um, do some loops around um, around that area there, and then on Tuesday we actually finish in Rill, and we have a Criterium Fast Furious. Criterium uh, circuit around there, which will be live streamed as well. So we're really excited. We should have uh, around 200 athletes, both men and women, from all over the country. We're also hosting the under-19 selection race, one of only three going to be held in Australia, and the only one in Victoria for our young athletes that are aspiring to a race at World Championships for Australia. 
You know, in Australia now, I know the Tour Down Under, and in these events also, you know, they, they form the basis or the foundation for a lot of European athletes that make the effort to come across here with their season up and coming. And I, I love the experience that gives to our local cyclists who, in, in the years ahead, are going to be representing the country in all sorts of different events. That's exactly right, and that's what these national-level events do. And we're part of the Oz Cycling National Road Series, and this is the stepping stone for these athletes to go on to World Tour teams. So we're really excited to be a part of it and give them that opportunity. And you, uh, you've you been involved in cycling for a long time, I believe, Karen. What made you get into the sport and why have you wanted to stick around and uh, be a massive part of it for so long? Yeah, an interesting question, Sam. I've um, been involved over 25 years. I fell into it um, quite... Um, quite I don't know, by chance, I guess. My husband was a cyclist and we were involved with the Warrigal Cycling Club and I just, uh, that event organising was, was my passion and uh, and I just went on from there and then I was headhunted into world championship races um, here in Geelong and uh, Commonwealth Games in 2006 and then just formed my own company and have gone on from strength to strength. It's amazing that Australian cycling has been so strong for so long, you know, given that the enormity of the uh, sport, you know, throughout Europe, for instance, that we've been able to compete at the very top level uh, for so long against the very best. That's exactly right. And, you know, we've had some fantastic Gippsland cyclists over the years, in, you know, years ago, like John Trevorrow and, you know, yeah. um, some older names, and they sort of set that path in Phil Anderson and... And then, of course, we can't forget what Cadell Evans has done. And I think um, since Cadell Evans has won the Tour de France, I think cycling has not looked back and we have just um, grown significantly from there, aspiring all these young athletes and giving them, you know, an opportunity to think about something else um, outside of football and cricket and basketball. And, you know, it's, uh, cycling is so strong in Gippsland. You know, you look at our mammals, our, you know, middle-aged men in Lycra, there's so many of them. Um, and... Uh, you know, these young ones um, are just, it's just going to be so welcoming to have them in Gippsland. And it's an event we haven't had for two years uh, since COVID has struck the event twice. And it'll be great to have it back on the road. Yeah, and, and I think there's, there's two things about cycling I love. One is it's a great foundation for so many other sports to keep fit in the off-season. And two is it's a great social sport. You know, you find a lot of the cycles, cyclists that are, you know, riding around particular areas of Gippsland, uh, having a chat and then stopping for a coffee and just enjoying being on and off the bike together. That's exactly right. And you, you're exactly right with saying it is a great cross-trainer for you know, so many other sports. I actually did a um, pre-season training camp with Western Bulldogs when they won their grand final. So I attribute that training camp on the bike (laughs) to their win. Good on you. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, Karen Jones, so a quick reminder, it's it's Sunday the 13th of February through to 15th of February on the Tuesday. Woolamai Racecourse on the 13th. Inverloch on the 14th, Real on the 15th. For someone that haven't had the excitement of the speed and the colour of cycling, there's three perfect days. Pick one of them or pick all three, but it should be a great event to support. They will be great events to support, and uh, we thank you for your support. And I look forward to catching up with you guys again after the event to tell you how we went. Good on you, Karen. Thanks for your time this morning. Karen Jones, the event director, Mitchelton Tour of Gippsland. As we say, it all kicks off 
February the 13th. It's a Sunday at the Woolamai Racecourse. Uh, the Inverloch, where they zip around the town of Inglock, is great. And, of course, the Criterion at Real on the 15th. So make sure you support a great sporting event in your area on those uh, three particular days. Or pick one out. Take the kids out. Let them get on the dragster or their racing bike and, and get involved. Uh, it's, it's a great sport to be involved with. Well done to, to Karen. It really is a, a great time of the year to be out on the bike. Hey, listen, you listen to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3. That's Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Latrobe Valley. Rob Popplestone, Sam Watson, talking sport as we do every Saturday morning between 9 and 11. Yeah, you are indeed, Rob Popplestone, Sam Watson. We're live here at the Harvey Norman store in Wamthaggy. So wherever you're driving throughout Gippsland today, well, I hope you enjoy the... The weekend, the weather seems to have fined up a bit in the last 20 minutes <laughs> because it's been, last long. Uh, it's been unbelievable. It's been uh, windy, it's been cloudy, it's been sunny, it's been pouring, uh, it's been hot, it's been cold. Truly, I don't know whether to put a jumper on, take a jumper off, wear my board shorts, I've got no idea. Anyway, what we're going to do though is talk sport with our mate, uh, Bo Vernon, who actually, Bo, we, we, we caught up with one of your players just a few moments ago in Cam Pedersen, who was pretty uh, chuffed to be up in Darwin. How are you going, Bo? Yeah, good, boys. Um, yeah, Rob and Sam, uh, yeah, going well. And, uh, yeah, I dialed in. I, I listened into the convo with, with Cam, actually, um, and you guys. So, yeah, no, it was good. Good to listen to. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Cam. Uh, you would have been coaching when... You recruited him to to Phillip Island. What was that process like? Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was alright. He, he um, him and his family were wanting to get involved in the community, as as he mentioned. His school teacher and his missus actually took on the role of uh, running a restaurant uh, as well. So wow. yeah, it was right fit for him just to get involved in the community, which he's done extremely well. You know, you can be a good footballer, but it's more about being a good good person you probably often see some good players go down to country clubs and maybe not the best club people which you know doesn't promote um good culture at clubs and and that's cam's done extremely well you know he's there cleaning up he's there helping younger kids and and just a great person around the joint you know you probably answered my question there bo but what are the elements in a footballer that you look for where does ability line up with being a good person, and what other elements do you take into consideration when you're looking at a player? Oh, yeah, I, I think being a good player aligns at all with being a good person. It's yeah, just yeah. Um, you can be the, the worst player and be the best, one of the best people um, for you, for the club. So um, yeah, yeah done. in terms of us recruiting, when over the last few years we haven't really looked to recruit, we're just Look to get the people that are down Phillip Island, and um, yeah, it's pretty hard recruiting people from from Melbourne if you're Phillip Island. You got to drive past so many so many t- towns and and whatnot. So um, at Langatha, it was a little bit easier. You got all these little towns around you and little clubs around you that you know you could recruit in there. Where Phillip Island, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit harder. So um, yeah, just promote within and, and good people and. And then good people, you know, promote more good people around the joint. Yeah. And uh, and then next thing you know, you know, we've got the culture that we've got now, which is um, a really good one, I think. And when you uh, recruited Cam, Bo, it, it was obviously 
fresh out of the AFL, but were you expecting him to have the impact on field that he's been able to have in, in 2019 and, and 2021? Uh, I probably probably did. Um, just, you know, not every player may be suited that plays AFL is that suited to country footy, but his attributes have been a, a big lad and his marking and his strength, you know, long kick. Um, yeah, it suits, suits um, rural football, I, I would think. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I probably did expect him to be a, be a great player for us and... Um, that's probably the, you know, when we're looking to recruit him to the club, you know, you probably get online and look at different things. And one thing I noticed was a lot of the supporters saying that Cam had time for, for, for their kid or he really was good on the family days. And I saw a lot of that, which was really encouraging in terms of trying to get him to the Phillip Island Footy Club. Yeah, and I reckon that's why you've earned so much respect over your journey too, Bo, is, is because of those sort of elements being an important part of the football, which is a terrific thing. In fact, I just said to Sam during the break, I'm catching up with a couple of mates that I played in a premiership with for in Tarelgan back in 87. It's a long time ago, but it's amazing when you've got a good culture, a good group of people that here we are 30 plus years down the track, still catching up for a beer. And one of those people involves uh, Adrian Campbell, who you know was a coach yeah, awesome. of Lee and Gather. Um, yeah, you know, coach, terrific coach bloke. Oh, did he really? Well, there you go. You know, Adrian yeah. and I played, you know, he was part of the premiership side. I played in the 87. He was a terrific player. But more importantly, he was a terrific bloke, and he brought that to Lean Gather. And, um, and well, you would have seen it firsthand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Fez, he was, he was, a, he was a great coach. I really enjoyed him over at, over at Lean Gather. I um, only played under him for, for one year, but, yeah, it was that was awesome. And along with Cam, you had Daniel Pierce as a former AFL player. Not many people would, not to, not all uh, casual AFL fans would know Daniel Pierce. Uh, Is he the Port Adelaide player? No, no, different. different. I was going to say little left footer. <laughs> yeah, I know no, Daniel no, Pierce. Yeah. Daniel Pierce played six games for the Western Bulldogs. How, okay. how, how did you view uh, Daniel's season this year, Bo? I'm, I'm pretty sure he had a uh, well, last year. Sorry, I'm pretty sure he had a few injuries. But how did you view his season, and how, how was he able to settle into the club? Yeah, awesome, awesome. He's a, he's a great uh, leader, um, great communicator, and really good values as, as a person. Um, and then, yeah, maybe his best position for us maybe would be midfield, but um, for the betterment of the team and what we thought was best for the team, um, we thought would play him across half back, and and he's just yeah, you know, he he goes yep, whatever's best for for the team, and played played that role, and he. He plays extremely well. He's a very smart player and, and uses the ball extremely well and, and very good above his above his head as well for his size. So um, yeah, his his year he only missed a couple of games. Um, yeah, through through injury, but he um, yeah he had a he had a very good year and um, played his role extremely extremely well. And I suppose there are a few games there where we where you win by a little bit. He he maybe. Um, didn't you know, get as much of the ball or, or whatnot uh, as maybe he could have if he was playing in the midfield. But like in those big games and, and moments, he's he's a gun. And is he uh, is he going around again next year or still undecided on on his footy future? No, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, on board. He, yeah, he, oh, he'll be Phil Pollen, I would think, for a number of years now. He, he lives at Cape Bullamore. Um He's He's in the um, fire brigade. Um, travels down to 
yeah, eastern suburbs to do that. His, his missus, um, which he's just got engaged to um, a week ago, um, yeah, she's moved down to Cape Woolamai now and got a teaching role down the area. So, yeah, they're pretty set in. He loves his, loves his surfing. Um, tries to fish. I don't think he's any good at it though. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 yeah. He's uh, he's in, he's definitely involved. I'm sure you would have noticed in in our league and and uh, well, the West Gippsland football netball competition and the Gippsland league. There seem to be more and more clubs picking up former AFL players. Why why do you think we've seen such a a jump in AFL players? Um, stop, uh, probably them stopping playing in Melbourne and moving out towards the country. Oh uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It was pretty cool last year. Rafi playing at Indy, and um, he yeah. played against Phil Holland uh, last year. That was, that was pretty good. The first four minutes of the game, he looked like he was going to tear it to tear it to shreds. And um, yeah, uh, Sauce Tomato, who's a lean gaffer boy, as his as his Rafi, and they, they know each other pretty well. Um, shut him down after that, and Rafi didn't really do too much. But it was pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, and and I was actually, yeah, I was at Blairy's wedding. Uh, last night, and um, yeah, one of my good mates, uh, Brent McCaffrey, was there, and he's he's signed up at, at Turidan along with you know Adam Oxley and um, Pippa Ryder. I think it was on yeah. Richmond's list, yeah, and I'm was. not sure if Blake Grewer whether he was on Brisbane's list, but he was he's a really good Richmond BFL um, player as well. So yeah, they they got a heap of talent there at Turidan. Ah, oh, it's good, good for the league. Um, these players coming in and, and they're good people as well. How did Blairy's wedding go? Good day? Yeah. Oh, how was the weather for them? Oh, Jesus, it was, uh, yes, tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. Oh, it was pelting down. It was a farm wedding. Uh, oh, no. you know, um, Blairy's missus' uh, family had done so much work around the place to make it look pristine. And, yeah, it's just pouring down. and But... Uh, the thing with Blair, he, he's got great family and great mates, so yeah. that's more important than the weather. And everyone, everyone had a great time. Yeah, they they both said I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one ran away. <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. It's a great day. Yeah, it's been a great week. Been uh, we look forward to a great. Yeah, the kids at athletics this morning. What are they doing this morning? Yeah, no, nah, not this morning. Not this morning. Nah. Uh, yeah, got a few things morning on, off. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. This morning. We'll give an update on the kids' athletics ability next week, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Bo. There we go. All Good right. Good on you, mate. Thanks, thanks Alice. Cheers, Rob. Good on you, Bo. Bo Vernon there, the coach of uh, Phillip Island Footy Club, a terrific bloke, uh, former coach of, former premiership winning coach of uh, Lee and Gather. And, uh, yeah, look forward to chats throughout the course of the year with Bo. And uh, he can give us an insight into what's happening in local footy as well. Even there, he catches up uh, yesterday with a few blokes at Blairy's wedding and there's a couple of decent ones coming into the area. Brent McCaffrey, a former coach after he finished up at Collingwood he, yeah. he coached me for a year at Killy Bass which was his junior club mm-hmm. uh, that was a really fun year we started off the year pretty well uh, unfortunately dropped off with quite a few injuries in the second half of the year and just missed out on a final spot he had to uh, uh, leave the club because he was working at Collingwood at the time okay. um, he's Judy's picked up there, but he's since left Collingwood. Played the last couple of years at Altham in the Northern Footy in the yeah, Northern Football League, and he's at Turidan with his good mate Adam Oxley now. So that they'll be coming up against my former coach next year. Okay, oh, this year, sorry. And the relationship's okay. Um, yeah. And when you say you're coming up against him, so he's going to be playing seconds, is he? Yeah. <laughs>
God, I really hope I get picked for the seniors or else I won't be able to go on this show. No, well, exactly. The timing's going to be pretty top. We'll, mm. we'll have to be doing the show as you get changed. Yeah, from yeah. the change rooms. That's all right. Wherever I'm playing, wherever I'm playing, Saturdays in Gippsland will be help. I can be your PA, just get everything ready for you yeah. as you get changed. Yeah, the blue undies. Oh, you, the same blue that, undies. Yeah. I, I actually, are, are, they, are they jocks or are they boxer type undies? Uh, I think, what do you call them, briefs? Uh, Brief. Oh, you like, wear the briefs? Not not the super long ones. Not but, that I want to visualise this no, at all. But. No, but I think I'm going to have to get new ones there. Uh, they've probably passed their use-by date, those yeah. ones. You don't want things dangling out that shouldn't be dangling out. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're going to take a break. Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3 in southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track in Leptro Valley is what you're listening to. Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson. We're talking sport. We do it every Saturday morning between 9 and 11 at the moment. We're at Harvey Norman at one thirty. Feel free to come down and give us a wave, toot your horn, rev your engine. <laughs> We've had a few people be doing that for most of the morning, haven't we? Uh, not that they're doing it for our attention. They're just doing it. <laughs> you can do it too after the break on SEN. Now, if you just tuned in, you missed a great chat with Bo Vernon, the coach of Phillip Island. Terrific bloke too, a former premiership coach of Lee Gather. Earlier in the program, we caught up with Malcolm Con. Now, Malcolm's the chief cricket writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. He's a Walkley Award winner in 1999 for his coverage of the controversy that surrounded both Shane Warne and Mark Waugh and uh, basically exchanging money for information at that time. Uh, I'm not sure that it was as bad as what some thought it was, but at the end of the day, it was sort of working around that grey area and on the back of so many other controversies at the time, as Malcolm pointed out, involving Salam Malik and maybe Hansi Cronje later on, it needed to be investigated. Cam Peterson, who is currently in Darwin, playing footy in Darwin, but has been a star for Phillip Island after his uh, terms at both North Melbourne and Melbourne, was a really terrific chat, really enjoyed that. And Karen Jones, who's the event director of the Mitchelton Tour of Gippsland, gave us an insight into what our communities here in Gippsland can expect on Sunday the 13th of February, Monday the 14th of February and Tuesday the 15th of February. Uh, that is a cycling event with some of the best cyclists at Willamai, Inverloch and Real. So lock that one in the diary. Hey, some good tennis tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis, the special Ks. They can't lose, can they? Oh, I think they can. Yeah. Ebden, I think they can. So it's Ebden who I've heard of. Purcell I haven't heard of so much, but mate, they must be playing some terrific tennis to be made their way through to yeah. the final of the Aussie Open. Ebden's been around for quite a he while has. now. He's 34. He's ranked 237 in the world in singles. Yes. And Purcell yep. is only 23, so that's why I haven't okay. heard of him, Rob. Uh, he's ranked 173 in the world. Okay. 173rd and in the so, world. So. so you've got Kyrgios, who's probably a top 20 player. Oh, not at the moment, but he is a top 20 player. Yeah, he's, and, he's ranked 115. And Kokonatis, uh, he'd have to be in the couple of hundred, but he's got the potential to be probably a top 50 player if his body could remain sound. Definitely. He's a, yeah, ranked 103, 103rd in the world at the moment, Tanasi. But uh, we had Brett Phillips on uh, SEN Mornings a couple of weeks ago. He's yep. been coming on the show every week, BP. And he seemed, he's a resident tennis expert at SEN. He seems to think that out of all the Australian players, Tanasi yes. has the potential to reach the highest level. Is that right? It, it, look, it just worries me, his time with Kyrgios. I feel as though Kyrgios just takes him off. Tanasi comes across as this really straight, uh, cool, fun guy. Mm. But when you... Hang around Nick. I reckon you can be drawn to areas that you shouldn't go. Yeah, he's almost like the straight man, but I think Nick's starting to uh, 
influence him a little bit and yeah. maybe they're both getting a little bit carried away, but I love it. I love the so uh, the, entertainment. So we, we, we can't lose. We're going to have an Australian doubles uh, title. Yeah. The crowd, who do they get behind? Is, is it is it obvious, Curious and Coconatus, or, or is it... I will say 80% of the crowd will be behind Kyrgios and Kokonakis, yeah. maybe maybe 70%. Yeah. Just because that, that, that's why they're there. Yeah. It, uh, it it wouldn't be a full house if Ebden and Purcell were playing. I, I wouldn't have thought. No, 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 fair enough. Just, now, just them, without, without Kyrgios and okay. Kokonakis. You're a young bloke, I'm a bit older. What's your overall thoughts on the crowd support of the two Ks? I, I like... There's something about doubles that makes it a little bit... Looser, in, yeah, okay. in, for lack yep. of a better word, but it uh, it just seems like more of a party atmosphere. Oh, well, a, a laid back atmosphere in the yep. doubles, um, whereas singles, I yeah, I'm pretty firmly of the, of the opinion that the crowd shouldn't be talking as the player is about to serve or in between serves, yeah. shouldn't cheer for faults. Oh, no, I hate that. Yeah, um, but the doubles and it's you know, like they're on the outdoor courts. It's I think that the crowd can get up and about. Okay, but. You've got to you've got to respect the players still. They're still trying to concentrate very hard. Yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to the doubles. I actually enjoy doubles pretty much as maybe in some instances even more than singles because I I love those short, sharp reflex volleys close to the net. That that, yep. that I mean, that's where you see some of the skills of a player that you don't normally see in a doubles in a singles and, match. And just quickly before we get to the break, yep. how how does uh, the special K's compare to the Woodies in your eyes? Ooh. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. I, I think the scores on the board with the two Woodies, uh, I mean, they were the world's very best for a long period of time. Was the was the publicity around them ever as big as this? No. No, I, I, and I think there's something there's something colourful about the two Ks that the Woodies didn't have. They were just great players. You know, Mark Woodford as a left-hander, Todd Woodbridge as that, you know, that solid player all round. Uh, but these two Ks have got that a bit of flair that makes them a bit more attractive to the general population. Hey, we're talking sport. We're doing it on Gippsland's SEN track, 91.3 Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN track Latrobe Valley. You can also listen live in the SEN app and at sen.com.au. Rob Popplestone, Sam Watson, we're talking sport. We're going to have a real good look at a club in Gippsland that has been very, very strong for a very, very long time. Yeah, we're just saying g'day to some of the locals who are popping their heads into Harvey Norman here at One Thaggy as we do the show live every Saturday morning, 9 till 11. Having a bit of a chat about what's happening in sport and what they think should be happening on tennis and cricket and football. Some, in fact, some of the best advice comes from the most unlikely sources at times, isn't it, Sam? It does. It does. Sam Watson and Rob Popplestone talking sport. And uh, more than happy for you guys to get involved, which you have been doing during the commercial breaks. Now, we are going to speak to the Mafra Football Netball Club president, John Brunt, uh, in, in a matter of moments. But every week we'll be looking at a sporting club in Gippsland. Yep. Uh, and we're going to have a pretty particular focus on some of the more successful clubs and have an in-depth look at why they've been able to sustain so much success. But we need to think of a, a name for this segment. So if any of our listeners can think of a name, hop on the socials um, and comment on any of our Facebook or Twitter posts and, and let us know what you think we should call it because it's going to be really interesting to chat to uh, a lot of sporting clubs in Gippsland over the next few months. 
Yeah, and no, I'm looking forward to it. And actually, when you said we we're going to have a bit of a focus on Maffer, I was a bit excited about it because in my day, playing against Maffer, I was chasing blokes around like Rob Geeshan. Remember Rob Geeshan? He was on the way out. So Rob ended up coaching Richmond, I reckon. And then he was sort of the umpire's coach as well. And I had a bit of time chasing Jughead around. My direct opponent was a guy called Smiley, Peter Allman, who always used to have the better of me. And Maffer was sort of always around the mark, but not quite there. Uh-huh. And then when I went over to South Australia, all I heard about was Mafra was the side. And, and they were quite incredible. Things haven't su- changed. Well, you know, they were quite incredible for such a long period of time. And mm. Wayne Butcher, who was their coach and successful coach, was a player that actually was uh, one of my opponents during the course of the day. Although I kept out of Wayne Butcher's way. <laughs> he was a bit tough for me. I'm not sure what the president thinks, John Brunt, but he joins us now. Hey, John, how are you going? Morning, Rob. How are you? Morning, Sam. You're going all right. It was a, it was an amazing transition from afar to see how Mafra sort of moved from that middle of the table side in the eighties to that great side over a couple of decades. Were you part of that process, or do you know how that process took place to make them such you know such a dominant force in Gippsland footy? Um, the early part of the process, I wasn't. Um, I got involved with the junior club in about two thousand and five. Followed in the senior club about 2010. But going back to that transition to the side of, say, 2002, 3, 4, that won three premierships in a row, I think they were unbeaten for a long number of games in a row. Um, Wayne Butcher done a lot of work with the junior side three or four years before that. Um, and look, probably Jack Barty was a big guidance around the club at that time. Um, and that side of juniors transpired into the side that won 2002-3-4 um, and set Mafra on their way for the next uh, 20-odd years of uh, probably pretty unparalleled to get success with a um, country football team. Yeah, exactly. Respected all around the country, really, for the work they were doing in Gippsland. And you're going through another transitional period as we, as we speak because uh, Wayne Butcher steps aside. Yeah, Wayne stepped aside this year. Um, I think he came back for one year, um, seven years ago. We talked him into coming back to the club one year. We were took it a transition. Seven years later, he's retired, and he tells us it's for good this time. Um, Anthony Robbins, 200 gamer, um, family history. Father and uncle played and coached at the club. Um, takes over the reins. Much respected from all our playing group. Um, the rest of the football department. So really looking forward to this transition and um, how Anthony goes with the job. Now, now, John, I'm, I was just looking at a Facebook post that your club uploaded uh, a couple of years ago at the end of 2019, and it was the last 20 seasons for the senior team. And since 2000, your worst result was finishing fourth. And that those 20 years... Unbelievable. Those 20 seasons included 13 grand finals and nine premierships. What, why do you think... What, what kind of elements of the club allow for that, that consistency, do you think, John? Um, good people. You know, I've heard it over the years uh, that, um, oh, there's something in the water at Mafra. But it's not. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good people, hard work, as I said. Jack Vardy, Wayne Butcher in the early days, Graham Robbins, um, Hayden Burgill, uh, Brett Millington's, was a long-time president through the 2000s. Um, 
just good people, good coordination, a lot of good backup. Um, doing what I do now, I can't speak highly enough of uh, the committee I've got behind me that coordinate everything that goes on in the football and the netball departments. And, um, yeah, I, I guess there might be something in the water, but there's a bloody lot of hard work that goes on too, guys. Yeah. We just caught up with Bo Vernon, coach of Phillip Island, former premiership coach of Lee and yep. Gather, John. And, and I really liked his outlook on footy. And he, he said when he uh, recruited the bloke like Cam Pedersen, who came from AFL to Phillip Island, he had a look at some of the comments from the supporters of those AFL clubs. And one of the constants was he, was, he, he gave a lot at family days. He gave time to supporters. Th- th- those were the sort of elements. Yes, he could play footy, but what was he like as a bloke? And he wanted the right people who, the right people off the field who could play footy on the field. And that was an important element. And I reckon Mafra have pretty much had that for a long time as well. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, I was talking before about the work that uh, Butch done behind the scenes yeah. in the late 90s, early 2000s. We've now got um, Adrian Burgill that's, you know, been a legend of the Gippsland League for so long. Um, working with our juniors, he's got Stewie Anderson with him that was played football in Adelaide and North Melbourne, I think. Um, and then we've, we've got Charles Caloran, coaches our thirds. He's an absolute legend around the club and a legend around the Gippsland League. So they're starting to put in that next group. And, and you're right, um, the players that come back to the club, Danny Butcher, spent an enormous amount of time... Yeah. Um, doing things around the club, working on things to keep the club right, to keep the players right, to keep everything going right. Um, and look, you're dead right. Right across the footy and, and the netball, it does take good people that you recruit back to your club. And when they finish their time, it's important that you get something out of them. And, and we do that very well at Macker, I think. Now, John, as I mentioned, the, the last 20 years, you, uh, in the post in 2019, the worst result was, was fourth. 2021 was after the year off in 2020, obviously, like everyone. 2021 was a bit of a different season for the for the senior side, only winning three games out of ten. Uh, just be, uh, is the final streak still alive, considering we didn't play finals? And how is the club addressing uh, the senior side's performance? Um, look, our playing group, our playing group has addressed that themselves. I think they realised that after a year off in 2020 and and success in 2019, um, they realised that they come out underdone in 2021 and, and they've been working hard since November this year. I think they're all disappointed the season didn't finish. Um, but they're, they're, they're really up their work ethic. Um, as far as recruiting, we're... we're um, under Robbo's guidance, we've got a lot of kids coming through, good kids. And that's done it for us before. We've never been a club that's been big on um, recruiting outside superstars. Um, so, yeah, look, we, we're we well aware of it. We think that 2021 gave us a good heads up as to just that the playing group had slipped a bit. And um, which... Well, it probably wasn't hard to do after 2020. I don't think anybody yeah. could have come back the same yeah. in 2021. But, no, you're right. um, yeah, we're addressing it. We're, we're working very hard at the moment and concentrating on our juniors 
to address that. Uh, good to hear. And Robert, I think one of the things that stood out for me yeah. with Mafra, you look at their player points every every yes, game yeah, and yeah. they're pretty much all one-pointers. So that just yeah. tells the story of how much they've looked after their locals and how much their locals want to be there. And yeah, John, if I'm you, I'm, I'm sticking and saying that that final streak is still alive because technically there were no final se- series last year. It's going on. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us, John. Really appreciate it and best of luck in 2022. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Rob. No worries at all, John. John Brunt there, the president of MAFRA. And as much as I was hopeful that the decline of MAFRA was imminent, <laughs> John's basically convinced me that maybe it's not. Maybe they're <laughs> going to bounce back in 2022. Maybe. I don't think you can out good clubs. No, they've been outstanding, though. They've been fantastic. And as much as, you know, you, sometimes you, you, you love to hate MAFRA, you, you only do it out of respect because their performances on the field have been so magnificent and he mentioned the Butcher Boys there who also spend some time up in Darwin have been great contributors as has mm. the Dad Wayne and they've been a, a terrific club they really have so um, that is the first of our look and focus on local sporting clubs and as Sam said if you've got a name for it help us out because we're actually scratching our heads wanting a name for this particular segment of the program that's going to be a constant in the weeks and months ahead. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3 in southwest Gippsland and 91.9 in the Latrobe Valley. We talk sport every Saturday morning between 9 and 11, and we've got a little bit more to do just after this. Yeah, terrific guys here at Wonthaggy, Harvey, Norman, uh, looking after the local community. Make sure you look after them as well because they're supporting the sports that we love to talk about. And uh, only a couple of minutes away from closing up shop on our particular show. Uh, but after 11 o'clock, there's a, there's a fair bit happening. Yeah, there is. We've got the winners with Andrew Bensley on uh, SEN Track. He's a good guy, isn't he? He loves his racing. Oh, he, I yeah, don't think many people know more about racing than Benz. Nah. And he gets the biggest guests on his show. His producer Dan Huddy is a, is an absolute gun, and there's not a bit, not any bigger names in racing that come on. So, so, so he's up for an hour. He's up for an hour, and then we'll have the Saturday Trackside Boys, where you'll be able to hear all the best tips for today's racing, uh, and that will be Cam Luke, David Taggart. Six-time Group One, Group One winning <laughs> jockey David Taggart, and Paddy Garshagan. That, they, those guys are, have been on fire. Did I, I reckon Tag's got a twenty-three thousand dollars quadrilla just a few weeks ago? He did, he did, and he also had. Uh, I think uh, it escapes me where that was. It might have been at Flemington. I'm, yep. I'm pretty sure it was at Flemington, and that also had got the quaddy at the Sunshine Coast and at Rose Hill on the he same had, day. He had a big day. So if you're looking for a uh, a person to follow for a flutter, then Tags is the man today. Gee, that was dangerous to say that. Nearly the, got lost. The quaddy king. Yeah, he is the quaddy king. So uh, yeah, make sure you, you follow those boys. We're at Mooney Valley this afternoon, yeah. and I reckon despite the rain, that track holds the rain fairly well. So. If you're looking for a winner, tune in to those boys. And don't forget, next Saturday morning, if you're wanting to know what's happening in sport in Gippsland, then it's us. It's Sam Watson and Rob Popplestone talking sport next Saturday morning at around about this time. Love to get you involved. And don't forget, as we close up shop, we're looking for a name for a segment where we focus on the best clubs in Gippsland. We invite you to give us your suggestions. Catch you next week, Sam. See ya.